up, Tavi? How you doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm ready for episode number three of the new season. <laughs> the, re, the, <laughs> oh, the restart. Yeah, the yeah. reboot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm, you doing well, though? Everything's good? Yeah. No, I'm doing good. I enjoyed uh, our Halloween month. I'm sad it's over. Yeah, you know, totally. We get the little, the, the night, we, you know, the beginning of winter is upon us. Winter mm-hmm. is coming. And that sucks. But... <laughs> Fall's been beautiful. Yep. It's been really nice enjoying, you know, getting to see that up here, up in uh, the Berkshires and upstate. So, like, that's been awesome. Yeah. And I've been really enjoying the nature and, and getting out and seeing everything. Nice, man. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I've been similarly, like, kind of feeling the seasons and, like, hunkering down for winter. It's been a super busy October. We went solar at our house, which was cool. Like, nice. we actually, like, completed that mm-hmm. project, which is fun. Um, and, yeah, I've actually been, like, reading more. Uh, nice. So yeah, getting ahead of the question of what you've been playing mm-hmm. lately, uh, I've been, been reading. I've been reading a bunch of <laughs> stuff lately. Yeah. Um, but yeah, how about you? What do you What do you been up to? What have you been playing? Um, that actually reminds me. I also have been reading. Oh. Um, and you read you read a comic that you really <laughs> liked. I read a comic that I liked, but it was also very intense. Uh, okay. It's uh, uh, Jinji Ito's manga adaptation of Osama Osamu Dazai's No Longer Human. Ooh. He's like, I do not know this. he's this like, apparently famous Japanese author from the first half of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. And he killed himself really, really young, like in his like late 30s, or I guess mid- middle age. But um, he was, had a lot of psychological problems, like depressed, bipolar, antisocial in some ways. And it was basically, this book, No Longer Human, was everyone interprets it as his autobiography oh wow and because he's writing about a character but then he's like my life's really similar to this character um and just like runs the gamut of fucked up things that could happen to a person that they could do to other people um super ugly and then on top of that is jinji ito who's like the manga artist extraordinaire of horror and especially psychological horror Mm -hmm. um so just the one-two punch of those two things together really knocked me on my ass when I read it. Oh my gosh. Like, I just had to... I, I mean, I, I marathoned through it because I, I was really into it, but I definitely had to take a step back at the end and be like, wow, I haven't read something in a while that just, like, made me, you know, question humanity or just feel so, like, distraught at the content because it's just, like... Um, just somebody who's very self-destructive, you know, in a way that's like just pre- like precision self-destruction, just like couldn't be more efficiently yep. self-destructive yep. Totally. kind of character. Um, and then on top of that, it's like the, the art was just like really good at capturing his um, despair because it's Ito. And the one thing it made me think of was I've been reading a lot of Ito like over the past few months just because I, his stuff is just really, really fascinating, like um, how he how he like plays with you know the, the classic themes of horror of like perversion and and um and or subversion of like normal tropes and and the, and the way th- under, under the skin everything is warped and, and yeah, awful totally totally but he's also an author who has a lot of levity somehow like and i realized that since he's not writing this book, it doesn't have the same levity and that, mm. and it makes it it made it that much harder to get through yeah totally <laughs> because i was like yeah, like Uzumaki, it's like really messed up that the whole town gets like basically destroyed by an evil um, spiral spirit. 
but also it's hilarious that like there's like a guy's dad who gets super super obsessed with spirals and he forces his wife to like make ramen with the little like um rad like <clears throat> the pre-cut radishes of the spirals yep, yep. in it and he's like i love spirals and he's like <laughs> And then, they, then she doesn't have the radishes one night. And he's like, I'm just going to stir it really fast to make a spiral. Like, there's comedy in it, in the horror right. of, of Ito, usually. Still that deep or like a character, or like uh, another favorite of his, Tomie. Uh, this book about this, like, kind of seductress type demon woman who seduces men. And they end up murdering her. And then she comes back to life. and, and um, Intense. And yeah, I mean, it's intense. But she's also, like, super hilarious because she's, like, this this image of like she's just like constantly like laughing at the men and like <laughs> and or being petty and being like just holier than thou in really funny ways where she's kind of inviting their violence but in a way that's like super like i couldn't give a shit because oh, yeah. she is well, a demon it's crazy like it sounds like the kind of the male gaze and that sort of oh yeah that layer of bouncing sort of like you know playing the mirror back on the reader yeah uh, or the male reader anyway yeah um, yeah and just being like, you know, this is essentially a nightmare. If it is a horror, mm. if, if it's an Ito, it's like a nightmare of our own creation. Um, yeah. And something that like... It's very ter- inward, it. inward looking. Exactly. At like, yeah, at our own perversions, at our own yep. um, like uh, failings and shortcomings. And, and, you know, you could almost see it in him like this like self-punishing sort of gaze like at or this idea that he's like... Or that the, the mind is its own worst enemy and sure, then it creates these yeah. nightmares which is what great horror is it's oh, yeah. like we're, we're generating it ourselves and graphic novel i think is such an incredible form to sort of explore horror mm. through because it allows for such uh insanely kind of autocratic directorial control of the visual mm. field and its sort of connection to the word so like especially in horror and visual horror because you know, mm. there's so many different types of horror that can be appreciated with like a mix and match of the senses you know yeah um but like in this format i think it, it's it's a particularly wonderful sort of space for horror and i was gonna at first i thought that like what the the graphic novel that i was reading was going to be like out there but mm. it's it actually weirdly feels kind of grounded now compared to what you were just <laughs> describing i know i've been on a journey yeah i basically it sounds amazing thank you so much for like the deep dive or like the like <laughs> slice of the of the cake of mm. of uh, of that that author like i feel like um i so i basically one-shotted saga mm-hmm. um i think the brian k vaughn right yes. yeah. Um, yeah like shows how out of the sort of comic i forget book the space artist been. yes I, I forget as well but yeah. beautiful art like yeah. fantastic art and i'm sure enough words have been spilt on saga so i'll just mm-hmm. keep it brief but like you know of course answering the question of like star Wars, like what if star wars but like good and now <laughs> and like of a mentality and of a sort of science fiction and fantasy basis that can speak directly to a very plain spoken cultural language of like 2021 you know mm-hmm. um and so i'm reading it and i loved it uh, and i basically like yeah i one shot it and i think in like five or six days i like put down the 1700 pages and was just like that was amazing <laughs> like crying laughing like dad tears flow so easily like <laughs> the most random like panels mm-hmm. i would just all of a sudden be like nope <laughs> oh yep that's There's the okay in here like they're literally just hugging they're uh-huh. only hugging mm-hmm. and i'm spilling tears on this moment it was amazing i mean it's very much a comic about parenthood yeah it's, you know, I, obviously it, i yeah. knew nothing but just like the sort of space like the i'm like making hand motions dear listener like mm-hmm. they're like you know theoretically like 
three-dimensional space that praise for this thing had taken up in like my spheres of the internet right so i was like i knew at some point i had to read saga and then like the news dropped that like the second they were going to start the like second movement of it like the next like 50 whatever issues so i just like saw that they were selling a compendium of the first set and just like one shot it. It was great. So yeah, that's awesome. More words spilt on <laughs> Saga. Uh, no, definitely read it. It's a space adventure. It's amazing. It's like about parenting. It's like sexual and psychotic and like it's so dope, but it is just a space adventure and it's great. Uh, and then I also kind of similarly one-shotted the uh, Colson Whitehead's Harlem Shuffle just mm-hmm. as a novel. It was just like great, easy read. Mm-hmm. Like a beautiful writer and beautiful voice on like a perfect and i mean it's in a good way perfectly cookie cutter like you know robbers and cops mm. like harlem story of the 1950s it's mm-hmm. great so you know yeah he's a great harlem shuffle yeah of course and it was like after the back-to-back pulitzers it's like easy like just easy story like easy yeah. fun read for him is so great that's great. Um, I didn't need to give that a shot. Oh, it's really, great. I should yeah. I should have brought you my copy. That's fine. I'll yeah. the library down the street. Oh yeah, that's I'll right. I'll pick it up. I got some some books queued. Yeah. But, so those are my yeah. those are my what you what you read. Yeah, I like the what you read. I and, like it. Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe I don't know. Like I think I read uh, your article, your review of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. So we could spill a few words on that sure. as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of kind of. Uh, slightly more adult story about parenthood <laughs> but still a space adventure yes exactly um absolutely qualifies uh i think yeah it actually ended up being a story i got a lot out of which was awesome um i think it was uh it's ultimately i will probably remember it better than the movies um or at least in a, a more positive light than um at least the second movie uh, for sure because the second, second movie had a lot of problems. Oh, sure. Absolutely. I don't know if you've seen it. Oh, yeah, I saw but, it. I think I've seen it a couple of times in like yeah. late night, you know. Yeah. Not even paying attention. To yeah. Things, you know? um, it, it takes some interesting uh, steps in probably the wrong direction of just making everything bigger and more. It's like, oh, you thought that was funny in the first movie. I'll just do that. Let's do that more twice. times. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do that and give it a tail. Um, and the game does, you know, obviously some of that, it can't, it can't be a Gardens of the Galaxy game without having those characters. Sure. But it also. Just spends a lot of time. You just spend a lot of time with them, and therefore you you're allowed. They're allowed to have more nuance and context and uh, writing than yeah. they would in in the in the cinematic universe. So I actually uh, thought that it did a good job of depicting kind of the dynamics of the team in a way that was more uh, that was more that was deeper than a lot of the Marvel team dynamics, which is basically we should work together. But Even I hate you. Yeah, we're yeah. all in, we're all individuals <laughs> yeah. and we're all narcissists. But we should work together. Yeah. Oh, we work together when we want. Yeah, but like we definitely have to have a movie <laughs> where we mostly punch each other yeah. and then we'll work together. Again. Yeah, eventually we'll get back. Yeah. You know, the gang will get back together. Yeah. But yeah, so like it, you you're it's you know fifteen hour or so uh, campaign. So you just have time when things are happening that aren't in service of that really boring at this point vanilla narrative. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, it also has some uh, fun. Uh, some good stuff with the dialogue and and the role playing element of it. You know, it has some of that like y- your guy has to interject while two people are arguing, yeah. which yeah. you know, Telltale mastered with the Walking Dead games. Absolutely, like, um, and it it works really well here. I, I mean, it, the developer is, is Deus Ex Montreal, 
Oh, not sorry, not Deus. Idols, <laughs> Montreal. Team, yeah, the team who team, made Deus Ex, Deus Ex Human yes. Revolution, the, the new Deus Ex, yeah. which have some pretty interesting dialogue uh, systems where you can kind of try and convince people, and there's a char- charisma element and some totally. role playing. And I've also watched some reviews of the game, and you know, looking at the dialogue system, it was interesting because I think it, they are kind of leaning more in that telltale direction. Mm-hmm. And Deus Ex's writing was good for sure, and yeah. I love that. Like always through the Deus Ex family of games. There's this sort of idea of the like high, medium, low paths in mm-hmm. conversation and abilities and that beautiful like kind of double helix shape mm-hmm. of like how the like skill or dialogue or like game skill, shooter, you know, shooting skill, whatever, like all these systems kind of like have highs and lows that can like map to each other, which is great. And I love that in the Guardian's case, there's just this like dedication to like what appears to be a more natural flow of conversation. Mm-hmm. Like, all these big personalities kind of talking at each other, yeah. just like in the movies, where it's yeah. like, a oh, good script. And I think if I read correctly, there's, like, a feature where you, like, can just not respond yeah. just as much as you can, like, interject, like, when it's not your turn to speak. Mm-hmm. And that will have potential branching path. Like, so that's yeah. cool. I just love the investment in, like, mm-hmm. dialogue as gameplay. Yes, and dialogue parallel to gameplay yeah. in a way that where it's not one or the other. Like... I mean, obviously, it draws a lot of comparisons to Mass Effect uh, because it's, it has a team, you're in space, it's team building. But Mass Effect really breaks it in, in pieces where you are, there's a ship where you kind of are in your quarters right, and you're like right. talking to your crew and, and getting all the narrative lore chunks out of them. And then you're in the mission and it's mostly just fighting. And there's some dialogue happening. Yeah, um, but nothing but, like groundbreaking. Yeah, and this, like, it... Not it's not to the extent that I would like. I, I mean, but it's in the direction that I'm actually pretty impressed with. Where, for example, there'll be like a, a off the beaten path uh, collectible, and then you, you can see it. You go pick it up, and your your teammates will comment on it. Like Rocket will be like, "Why are you going that way? You know the right way is over here." Right. Um, and so they're kind of like actually reacting a little bit to like what your character, who's Star Lord, who's like the only character you control, does. So, so like, just a little bit of Stanley Parable in there for good measure. Like yeah, the actual a little space bit of fourth wall, a little bit trigger, or like yeah. your intention as a gamer will trigger a reaction. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. And there's aspects where you can use different team members to like access areas you couldn't by yourself. And then if you try and there's a little bit of, you know, light, very light puzzle solving where you're like, okay, this is a, um, a circuit bar door. I can use rocket or yeah. this is a, some coils over a door. I can use Gamora <laughs> to slice them with their sword. Super simple, but it's all just like icing, you know, on, on like, they didn't have to do any of that. They could have made a very like bare bones, uh, third person action, uh, beat him up. Which is but but what which is what every Marvel game has ever been. And what I hear this game practically is when it comes to moment to moment gameplay. Yeah, like yeah, that plus like squad commands from like mm-hmm. the recent Final Fantasy games or any like mm-hmm. single player game styled in a massive multiplayer online game where you like have yeah. your D pad of like allies. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You do the big bash thing. You yeah. do the shield meet thing. Yeah, yeah. The uh, yeah, it has a lot of basic simple elements, but then like. The fact that they are layered with narrative or iced and polished with narrative gives it that little extra oomph that exactly, I yeah, exactly. I so, appreciate okay, it. I, here's the thing: while we have while we have you in this chair and in this context, <laughs> what I also find interesting is, dude, like I read your review; it's dope, and it's very different than like what the sort of well, it it had it bears obviously structural similarities of like what a review is as like a product today, 
and good on you. Like you have a good command of the form, but like for the listener anyway, like for people who I'm sure if they're even listening to this point, you're, you know, you play enough games to understand and you've probably read or watched enough reviews, dear listener, to like understand the format. Yusuf, like how does the, uh, how does the reviewer prepare? Like what's your process on a, on a basic nutshell? You don't got to give me uh, your trade secrets or anything, (laughs) but like kind of like, you know, project in the life. Like what is it like the game lands on your door or you're like, no, nah, I want to do this game. Or like, what's that selection mm. process been like? Are you pitching them? Are they pitching you? And you don't have to like, oh, yeah, yeah. don't worry about naming names. It's more just like the process is really interesting. For the thing yeah. that I consume on a nearly daily basis. I read game reviews all the damn time. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting because like, I, no one like tells you how to write a review, which is kind <laughs> of hilarious. Like, but then everyone ends up kind of writing the same sort of review. Just this, the idea of like, the cultural expectation of, writing a review yeah. like you're like well i gotta give it a you know eight out of ten on sound and five out of ten on they've been gameplay. saying they've been saying copy the masters for a long time so yeah. someone at some point <laughs> saw something and was yes. like i'm gonna do that too yeah. um but yeah i've always approached reviews as a great opportunity to just write pure criticism because it's like an open canvas mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. um i think also in the stage we are in at this point there's not there's so many places people can get their reviews from like i'm not writing the premier review in game informer or like uh electronic gaming gaming monthly or you know <laughs> the, those like early 2000s yeah dude um mainstays so there's an element of being like well if people want to figure out how, exactly how this game plays first they can probably watch some you know, yeah, let's video play, review that's well, pro- video review. yeah, yeah, well that, produced by a team of video editors, broken up into like discrete chunks and, yeah, and not getting paid enough for their yeah, job. not at all. But <laughs> so I always, I definitely want like try and bring some of myself into it and some of my own perspective and my and and be less beholden to you know amorphous ideas of review, yeah, uh, kind of do's and don'ts and and um, ways to do it. So. That part is like pretty open ended. You're just and, writing. You're yeah, writing. essentially. Yeah, but and then for for this game, yeah, I, I I pitched Waypoint because I was just like, you know, I'm feeling I want to write some reviews this season, and uh, I did not pick Guardians of the Galaxy, but it was something that was available, and yeah. I was like, you know, this could be interesting, um, and and yeah, so I, I it kind of came into my lap versus me seeking it out, and they they actually luckily they gave us enough time nice. to, re- to review to play interview which is very rarely what happens like uh, for example i'm going to review call of duty for uh, polygon and and like yeah that game comes out end of the maybe next week very oh soon God. very soon so it's not going to be nearly as much time right but um yeah so they gave us like a over a week which is awesome like also because it's not a super long game thankfully it's like 15 hours it's not like a RPG, it's not like yeah, um, yeah. something that could have taken much longer, which I don't think I have it in me no, totally. to cover. So uh, there was a lot of good timing on it. And yeah, I just played it over the weekend and took a bunch of notes. And then kind of um, my writing process right now is for everything is like outline, I'll, you know, outline what generally what I want to say, figure out the structure, yeah, which is a probably the best way for me to keep track of like um the lead i think which is very important and i think without an outline that often gets lost yeah or some kind of like wrapping where you know you start with an idea you end with the idea um and then 
So what I've started to do now is I'll do the outline and then I'll handwrite the whole thing. Ooh, nice. Um, so you're slowing your mind down even more. Yeah. I'll like reference the outline, but then I will like kind of just, I have a notebook and I just like sit down and just, and it's slowing down, but also it re- relieves a lot of the pressure of like typing it on a computer hmm. because I'm just like, well, this is going to be garbage. I'm just like kind of writing. This is a little bit stream of consciousness. It has that like messiness, like, and it's like, I end up rewriting almost everything when I type it up. Yep. But that is an, it's like an inherently uh, draft, like going from a first or like a half draft to like a first draft. Mm-hmm. Like it, in the in the process of typing it up, I'm like rewriting everything um, and so polishing. So cool, man. So cool. And even Thank in you. this digital age, man, that the, the the paper and pen is your yeah. like throwaway space. It's your scratch yeah. space. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's just to all the like, yeah. you know, to the 90% of people who are like in the notepad app or whatever yeah. with their deep feelings and shit, you know, you're yeah. just like, nah, let me just like throw some, pen. let me throw some ink There's in something magical shit. about it. Yeah. Like something about like having to, it, and it does really slow your mind down because you just no, have yeah. to like write every letter out. Every now and again, like a good, like, you know, post hipster of our age range, like <laughs> I do still have a typewriter that works and I like keep mm-hmm. ribbons of ink and I like try to take as good care of it as I can. Yeah. And it's a very different process. Yeah. Writing and like intentionally oh, yeah. like slowing down and using basically one finger on each hand. Yeah. To like get you enough force. Can't be the full, to get enough force really. Yeah. Um, that's great. It's a fantastic yeah. experience. So cool, man. Thank you so much for giving us a bit of your process. I mean, look, it sounds like you're informed by like you said, criticism at large. Mm-hmm. So for like the, are there any like critics from the non-game space that you might like kind of point mm-hmm. at, not as a North Star of yours, but just as like one of the like, you know, one of the elements in your sky, you know, like something you draw from or some shit, like if, if yeah. that if that should exist. Yes. Uh, no, there for sure are. Um, I think, uh, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this I just is like on the spot too. I we did not talk I just about it. Like write about Bald, like like Baldwin, you know. Oh man, everybody wants to write like. Baldwin. Everybody wants to write. That's like one Baldwin. of the most beautiful voices that has ever been committed to words. I yeah, think. like just the quality of his written yeah words. No, and he was able to have a flow that like is yes. just unparalleled. Where he kind of like will jump from subject to su- subject and from from like writing about a piece of art to write about his life. I mean, I, I'm thinking a lot of um, The Devil Finds Work, which is like a book he wrote about theater and film, mm-hmm. and but then also very, was very autobiographical. And so like that stuff is just like, I constantly think about it as like the ultimate <laughs> uh, template in some ways. Nice. Um, I like, uh, there are a lot of film writers that I like, like Angelica Bestian, who like writes her vulture. Yep. And I, her reviews, I'm always just like, she wrote a review. Got to read this. Yep, nice. I, I recognize the name. Yeah. Like it's definitely. Yeah, she's like a very sharp writer, and then has like a little bit of that, like um, of that, like uh, countercultural, like mm. um, like I'm gonna like I'm gonna like hate this thing that everybody likes, or like this thing everybody hates, and like <laughs> with not, contrarian oh. style. But and yeah, it's, it's like, important. That's that's an important voice in the space. Yeah, and it's like contrarian, but it's like you can't you, when it's, some people are contrarian, and you're just like, this is bullshit. Like. She reminds me a little bit of like Armand White, but like I feel like in his later career, he just became pure contrarian. And you're just like, <laughs> your arguments are dumb. Like these are like bad arguments, and you're just being contrarian. Yeah, argument for the sake of argument. Is yeah, it's like, not as interesting. Yeah, it's but her thing is like clearly she has a rudder. And yeah, then yeah, she yeah, has of course. like this. She has taste, um, totally. and that's like really interesting to read. 
because um, somebody that introduces something that you haven't thought, an angle you haven't thought of before. And that's always what drives me in writing. I want to come at it with it from an angle that just hasn't been considered. And so, yeah, I mean, it's not always going to happen. Like, it's a game like Guardians. Like, everyone's going to have probably a pretty similar take where it's like... Oh, yeah, I mean, it's still a very... Yeah. And especially because and we have to remind ourselves that it's a part of that big machine. That yeah. Is that Marvel Disney experience. Mm-hmm. And also that, like, you know, third, fourth generation of talent, you know kind of development of yeah. a game studio that's been making big ass games and being shuffled into big ass teams for you know 10 plus years at this point that's that right. core team has been working mm-hmm. together or parts of each other for like a long time and that's what you get is like both incredible literacy and acumen in the form of design and production of these games but also like the the formulas are there yeah and that might be the only attempt i can make it like something of a transition Okay. Uh, to our game of the hour <laughs> because honestly this is the number one podcast for uh, gamers who'd like to talk about books <laughs> and writing <laughs> no um i just feel like when i immediately as i was trying to think about like the systems of games and like mm-hmm. those things is like where my brain immediately turns to our game of the hour of like metroid and by extension of course like metroidvanias and like it's just it takes up again a lot of space mm-hmm. in the games genre conversation Um, which is really a conversation about like the form of a game, you know, and it's various functions that are associated with that form. And Metroid is like a formula and a a piece of space that like is really defined. So yeah, our game Mm -hmm. of the hour. um, Sorry, that was, that was an attempt at a transition. You can definitely cut that. (laughs) Um, But our game of the hour is Metroid Dread, um, which released very recently. Um, And yeah, what did you, what did you think Yusef of Metroid Dread? Metroid Dread um, is it's interesting. I, I overall really liked it. I um, played through it really quickly because it was just had that is very like kind of tasty experience of like you know you you, you just want one more bite, um, one more new room, one more new area, yep. one more new power, um, and it's very well tuned the tension um i mean not everyone feels this way which is an interesting thing we could talk about about yeah. like kind of and maybe even difficulty you get know? into the criticism of it let's as you were beginning to do like describing the sort of form of it like what was it it was short it was yeah uh juicy yeah like kind of kept you on the hook i felt the same way it was mm-hmm. probably the fastest i've ever completed a metroid game yeah like, start to start to finish yeah it's a very like um straight ahead experience which is interesting because a lot of metroidvanias are very maze-like and are meant yeah. to spend a lot of time with and this game is not it's really like puts you in a slingshot and and shoots you forward and doesn't want you to turn go I, back i noticed the same thing too yeah i was kind of surprised i wasn't off put at all by the kind of structural additions to the formula the teleporters and the like so this game introduces not for the first time but like in a very very major way uh, a series of sort of essentially teleports mm-hmm. like portals of different gra- like they wrap it in different elevators and tunnels and trains and whatever but yeah that was a big change because i felt like if i just kind of rode the rails like if i like made it to a spot that i previously couldn't or made it to a spot that like was open to me on the path and the vector i was going and there happened to be a teleport room or a thing there you just sort of if you take it you're closer to beating the game yeah like automatically mm-hmm and there was very little need for me to backtrack, really. No, and it's actually quite difficult, too. Or, like, you yeah. backtrack and 
you're like, well, there's nothing to do in this area. I need to. Never, yeah, you're absolutely right. Whenever you see the teleporter elevator or train, you get in that teleporter if elevator you do, or train. Yeah. yeah, like it's really one of the, the few options. And um, like, I, yeah, I think ultimately that is what I wanted from the game. Like, I, as much as I do like. Like, I'm a huge fan of Metroidvanias that you can spend time with. Like, mm-hmm. Hollow Knight is one of my top games of all time. Yeah. Like, it's just, like, an impeccably designed game that is just, like, huge. You know, when you, like, <laughs> surprisingly huge as, as like, for a game that is, like, just looks tiny. You know, yeah. it looks like your little guy running around. Hollow Knight like, is a master 2D, yeah, 2D yeah. rooms. But you're, like, you can just lose yourself completely Absolutely. in the map which is incredible and you know i appreciate those experiences but i also for this game it just hit me the right time and the right mindset where i wanted to you know wear that suit for a little bit and look cool taking out these bosses in like two or three lives yep. <laughs> um and kind of like experience yeah. experience being samus for uh, once again yeah and not necessarily, and and not necessarily have to like hit every um, check mark that being a Metroid game yeah. necessarily has to do. Yeah. Like it was a solid B. <laughs> it was a solid. I I would give it a B plus if yeah, I had B to plus, give it a letter plus grade. B, let's but go with B honestly, yeah. I. Well, what I'll say is this: I, we always are we even if we haven't recorded this concept. I know I've, I've we've talked about this before is like game feel mm-hmm. you know like that's a big it's uh because so much of video games is about the physical interface that you're interacting with or through to access the game and push it forward and like be in its world game feel for me is this like wild mix of that very kind of you know physical sensory experience that i'm describing Mm -hmm. with my words but there's also a kind of that very like tangible set of concerns but then there's also an intangible layer that is my i mean if video games on screen are essentially like this really fine-tuned instant like reaction like box where like you press the button or you do the thing and then like there's a visual reaction for you to Mm -hmm. like get that like endorphin kick whatever game feel is that thing for me that like is all of those wrapped up mm. in one. Mm. And Metroid Dread, oh my god, the game feel alone kept me kind of, it was like propelling me through it because it was the most like, how do I say this? Like athletic mm. and like muscular Metroid game I've ever played. The way Samus moved, the speed was like dope. Mm-hmm. It was like just fast enough to be like, I'm wearing a power suit that, like, augments what, like, hi, Tavi, holding a switch, mm-hmm. you know, father of two. Like, I can run, jump, basically. <laughs> I can't do the flip stuff. Sure. I don't have a gun arm or mm-hmm. whatever, a cannon, laser space. can't roll space. into a little ball. I can't, I can't like, <laughs> compact my organs into a small ball shape. Uh-huh. That is impossible, physically. <laughs> but, like, I can run and jump. And then when I'm playing this game, it's just the right heft Mm-hmm. The right speed, the right... It was just... So, like, hats off to, like... That's a combination of, like, animators, game designers, level designers. Like, the space was fun to move around. I mm-hmm. felt like I was being propelled through mm-hmm. the game by how fun it was to move through the map. Mm-hmm. 
SWAT enemies. I felt strong. Like I said, muscular. That counter ability was great. So nice. So yeah. nice. Um, and yeah, like fast guided game experience as I'm pushed to the last boss. I didn't really stop to collect a bunch of like extra health and missiles. So every now and again, I hit like a, a difficulty spike where I was like, this is why if I had more of the like energy tanks, I could just like kind of like dumb power my way through this, you mm-hmm. know, like just like lose a bunch of health yeah, and make it through. But I had to like get really old school about like seven, eight restarts on like the later bosses sure, to yeah. like get the pattern right and be like, this was how I played. Wait a minute. Was I ever a fan of Metroid? Like the thought <laughs> occurred to me. I was like, I was like, I love Metroidvanias mm-hmm. and I love, we should talk about like Metroidvanias versus Metroid because like I love Metroidvanias and I love Super Metroid for the Super Nintendo and I like realized in the process of preparing for this episode and just playing Metroid Dread that like I have a deep respect and love for the Metroid franchise having not completed many of its games. Mm-hmm. Like I've spent a lot of money on Metroid games. <laughs> like I bought a bunch of them but I haven't beat a lot of them. I haven't uh. started many of them. And yet there's this like gravitational pull because when I popped Super Nintendo and the Super Nintendo, uh, Super Metroid and the Super Nintendo, like at whatever age I was young, like it was horrifying. It was deeply challenging. It was an amazing ascent to abilities and like powers in game powers that like made me feel accomplished and mm. curious and more adventurous as the game went on, um, it was a it was a near perfect video game experience. Mm. And then like started Prime, never finished it. Mm. Um, and some of the DS or three DS games like Prime Hunters, I played. I think I finished. Um, and like the Game Boy Advance game, I finished. Yeah, that's interesting because I have not played any any oh, so, okay. Metroid. Oh, wait, so you're not even, like, a Metroid fan? No. Okay, Which wait, okay, so, so interesting. what do you take... <laughs> right, what are the themes... What was alive in Metroid Dread for you? Like, what did you take away from, like, the franchise just having played Dread? What is Dread to you? How was that as a non-fan? Um, I think it's pretty interesting because I don't know if it has a strong aesthetic as a game. Like, mm. parts of it do. But maybe I... To say... It, parts of it do have a strong aesthetic. What I mean to say is the aesthetic isn't delivering a primary message in a way that is uncomplicated. Yes. yes. Because if Metro Dread was the game a game that took place in the spaces where the elevator takes place, where it's like dark and you're seeing like light pass over Samus's armor, and those were stylistically very cool. She's like just chilling holding her gun holding her gun arm um or you know some of the cutscenes but then you move, go into like kind of a brightly lit room with like exploding <laughs> things and weird animals that don't necessarily like have a backstory some of them do obviously everything in the universe has a backstory <laughs> that i don't know you about by now don't you yeah. know <laughs> the lore is everywhere the chozos the chozos and the yeah yeah know. the minute like the the chozo <laughs> scientist starts talking about their cultural history i was like oh my god it's, it's it was a lot that's yeah. i mean that's new for the well not new for the franchise i didn't play the kind of other m but like the whole like actual exposition mm-hmm. of Dumb. plot <laughs> in a metroid gameplay game yeah. is yeah. very rare yeah because i my my memory or my image memory of the of super metroid is like 
light on exposition. It's more about atmosphere. Yeah. Um, and there are areas where that does happen here, but overall, yeah, it, it doesn't really do that. And I, it, it, it more than anything visually reminds me of Shadow Complex, a uh, game for the Xbox Oh my 360. God, are you taking me back to like, what was it, Xbox Games of, games of the games. Summer of Arcade? Yeah. Are you taking me back? Xbox Live When arcade. I went to E3 when I was working for Atari, I was like, the Shadow Complex game is dope. It is. Yo, yeah. man, why don't we have a game like that, though? Let's go. <laughs> it's 2D. I did not actually it's talk like that, but I nearly did. <laughs> They're onto something here. 3D has 2D. 3D spaces. It's crazy. It's crazy. You can't move oh, the camera. the amount of games Atari rejected. Not Shadow <laughs> Complex, but yeah. the amount of good-ass games that, yeah. Um... But yeah, that's a game that's like similar to like um, like Vanquish or something like where it's mm. just like this yeah. character is dumb and just <laughs> like looks bad. But boy, is it fun to play! Yeah, totally. um, and I there's a lot of those same feelings happen where I'm just like like for, like there are specific moments where I'm, where like you know when Samus gets the final upgrade in her suit and you're like oh purple oh damn this looks good yeah and you're just like you know fist pumping with while you hold your switch. Uh, but yeah, they're kind of like interspersed. They're like kind of the 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 flavor, the salt, poor, yeah. poorly spread on the steak. Oh no! Some parts are bland. Some parts are just like just right. Oh, I I think I played it at a speed, like I mean, like not like a speed running speed, but like at like a just my the pace that I put myself on mm-hmm. of like not straying from the path. I mm-hmm. played it at a speed that made for a very enjoyable tight experience. I think mm-hmm. I beat it in like nine-ish hours yeah similar yeah Yeah. and it was just like yep perfect Mm -hmm. most of the like repetitious parts were like or repetitive parts were like um boss deaths Mm -hmm. and like replaying that pattern over and over again but i've kind of that's the generation of games that we grew up with Mm -hmm. so i get it like it's a part of the you know price of entry yeah and i and to that point like i think the boss battles are mostly like really really well designed yeah fantastic for like three four phase yeah. boss fights and then they, they come on the screen they look super intimidating oh, they yeah, look totally. like they're taking up two-thirds of the screen let me nerd for a second the crade i know the name that's my nerd uh-huh. the crade fight with like the beast that has the like spikes shooting out of its belly yeah, yeah it's a great yeah, fight yeah. because like yeah ne- like he's all chained up but like it's that moment where you're like, you know that the monster is going to get out. He's going to break in like, chains. So it's just great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it's showing you a visual like mm-hmm. kind of indicator. It's like shouting to the, you know, the cheap seats being like, yo, there's going to be a second phase of this fight. Like the monster's chained up at the start of the fight. It's yeah. not over. Like yeah. it's yeah. a great way of like visually welcoming new players in. There's something, the, like, yeah. And something theatrical. Of the game. Like, yeah. It's so theatrical. Like it is very like choreographed, like just like, and yeah, it's, it's for new players, for returning players. Like it, it, it's just like because yeah, I'm a new player. I don't know how Metroid boss fights necessarily work. I know how like 2D yeah you know. boss fights work. You know, yeah. I, I play like the Mega Man's games like that, where it's like you kind of have to jump over the right thing and go to the right part of the screen. And it largely, it, I think it's just the most elegant of that. Um, that approach where it's like a 2D character yeah. in a big room with a boss. Like even Hollow Knight has problems with some of its bosses where you're just like, this is not that fun. I have to like jump off over this guy. I have to like, yeah. some of his bosses are fun, but like it's not this, like I feel like Metroid Dread really like figured out how to do 2D boss fights oh, yeah, in definitely. a like in a game of this scale and, and composition and like without it feeling like, like, 
dead simple or um, frustrating. Like no, it, totally. it, it, for the most part, it, you just, you're like two to three, sometimes more yeah. times. Like I mean, the last boss definitely yeah, took me a so, long yeah, time. It was a bunch of time, yeah. but um, he's the last boss, so whatever. Yeah. Like you know, it's like it once, once you're done with him, you're done with the game. Yeah. So I might as well like take your time with that. Um, and uh, like uh, we've talked many times with Dark Souls, like mm-hmm. it. Uh, yeah, you have more tolerance for that stuff than yeah, I do. Yeah, I have a lot of tolerance for so it. You like, but I don't even think, yeah, I don't think even I needed that tolerance no. for, for this. I think they like understood that they weren't trying to create that experience of like hitting a wall. No. It was suppo- it's supposed to be a challenge, like a tension point, but it but you get through it pretty quickly. Yep. Um but without but with but like compared to like any number of big budget games that are roller coaster rides where you know they'll give you tension but it's not really it's serious not real tension yeah um it's meant to be yeah you're like you're not really supposed to die or if you do it's because it doesn't feel good like it doesn't feel like you learned yeah. anything it doesn't feel like um you you there was like a piece of puzzle that you didn't like kind of put together yep. it just feels like you're like okay i soaked up too much damage and my guy fell over like let me just do this again and move him to the right a little bit like yep. that this like i feel like is very inventive and very um well designed in how like it 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 puts the pieces together just enough like absolute control just enough sequences where the boss is like a four pattern creature Mm -hmm. but then little breaks where it just turns on a basic like seeking ai like it's not even ai just like go towards character with primary attack Mm -hmm. aim at character with primary attack you know mix it up secondary attack like that's what I love. Okay, and even just reflecting back on like the last chunk of what you were saying, like you were referencing terms and kind of collections of feelings that we have built a library of as people who play games, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, like the, this type of boss fight was not meant to actually be a freebie. Like it's mm-hmm. not like just giving you a chunk of narrative and a big bombastic like cutscene. It's making you work for it. Like yeah. it is a barrier. It's meant to be taken down it's still a nintendo game and they want everyone to enjoy the end of the game you've made it this far you've also built up enough skill that they in their brilliance of game design have tested like three to 12 times on each of those skills to Mm -hmm. get you to that point so it's nothing new and you can skill it if you just pay attention yeah and so you do and in all of that being able to speak in those terms metroid is one of those games that is one of the fundamental reasons you have a lot of those terms right yeah that we as game players like understand and thus you know it's couplet it's like portmanteau with castlevania the metroidvania genre again takes up a lot of space in the genre conversation of video games and there's beautiful wonderful games in that space um so yeah i think it's it's interesting because you you've come at it from this rookie to the franchise but deep player of metroidvania games um and i'm kind of a little bit of both Mm -hmm. right like deep player deeper player of a few metroid games and you know love some metroidvania games like to the ends of the earth hollow knight being probably the the best Mm -hmm. of them um but yeah it's interesting to think that like in essence my experience of playing with some knowledge of the other games is that metroid dread was this like in that space of knowing that it's a contributor to like one of the major genres of video games right now it's also like a weird intertextual work of its own franchise because it, you know, part of the marketing of it was like, this is the last, this is the end of the met of the Samus like plot line. I don't know if you picked up on that, but like 
that was a thing in the marketing where they were like, this game concludes the plot of Samus in like the Metroid universe that was started with mm-hmm. like the NES game and then all the like games in the canon, mm-hmm. which excludes like a couple of weird arena shooter games and shit, right? Like Smash Brothers. <laughs> or like, yeah, like Samus didn't actually show didn't up for Mario. this battle. Yeah, <laughs> fought Mario. It was weird. Yeah. Like, knows he was a champion from another galaxy. Like, it was weird. Um, but no, it's it's just, I, I say that because it was intertextual to itself. Like, it was meaning to close a plot line while also paying homage to, like, lots of really new functional features that were explored in different games. Like, that counter that mm-hmm. we talked about, feeling good and chunky and muscular... You know, a few minutes ago, like that was introduced not too long ago to the Metroid franchise. It did not exist in the earliest games. Um, and, you know, there has been this like fan person, like fan of the Metroid franchise, like kind of like inner really deep argument about like when and at what cadence the like powers are given to you in mm-hmm. like the grapple hook is given to you or the wave beam is given to you. Like, it's not ca- like... How can we, like, get it out of this order? But, like, as a person who's not that deeply, you know, moved to, like, enter any sort of argument as such, I'd, like, realizing that I only played Super Metroid, Mm -hmm. basically, and love it deeply, I went to Metroid and I was like, this is a fun game to play. It seems like I'm getting shuttled to the end, which is great. I don't have, ain't nobody got time for this kind of moment. I was like, I can't do this, you know, uh, for, like, 20, 30 hours. Um, And then just the game feel being so good, I just... It felt like, in a way, I was experiencing maybe what you were getting close to. Like, it's both, it's trying to, like, please all the lore, Mm -hmm. please all the mechanics. I think it actually does a really good job threading its own needles Mm -hmm. um, to be a thoroughly average game. It's it's just good. It's just really, really solidly good. Like, it's worth the price of entry. I would play it again because it is so breezy. Like, Mm -hmm. some years down the line. Sure. You know? I would totally just like long, champ long, it in a flight. weekend. Yeah, long flight. <laughs> you literally play it on the flight to like Japan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like a long weekend game, you know? If you yeah. now that I know what it is yeah. and what I need to beat it. It's interesting because But like it's yeah. thoroughly average, but what I mean is like oh, yeah. that's that's a big that's a big that's a big accomplishment. Yes. After decades. And this is where I'm like starting to think about like the generational aspect of like Nintendo's pres- Nintendo's presence as like the premier game design mm-hmm. company of the major video game companies. Like their hardware choices have been weird. Their lack of knowledge of anything to do with online or digital anything <laughs> is intentional yeah. at this point. We can't even say it's weird. It's just what they want for themselves. But holy moly, when they like cook it till it's done on the game front, shit man, like it's just it can be the performance tuned like car mm-hmm. that just is going to run and run and run and it'll, it'll be just as relevant like five or ten years from now mm-hmm. as like good you could still play metal gear solid 2 mm-hmm. and it like feels like a contemporary game you know yeah you could like not say that of its contemporaries i wonder what shadow complex feels like now you know mm-hmm. i wonder i just wonder it's probably good i don't know but like i mean what's interesting to me in this conversation is thinking about I think what you say about generations is spot on because yes, like Nintendo is still the owner of this experience, but it was made by another studio. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, the Spanish studio, like Mercury, something Mercury. Yeah. Uh, but 
you know, it has a Nintendo seal of approval. Well, yeah, essentially. Which is like this... Their first party publishing standards yeah, apply yeah. to some studios and some projects. Yeah. But it has that... But when you think about it, it's like basically... It is a new generation. It is yeah. people who grew up playing Metroid, yep. who grew up playing somebody else's games that were designed for them, that then inspired a genre that inspired like a trunk of all of video gaming, like kind of a yeah. um, console generation spanning uh, design school, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Not just in, in 2D platforming, but also in the idea of uh, using the right tools to open a room, like which Zelda obviously also is responsible for. And Nintendo just like put, you know, made these Bibles that yeah. then became the Bible. Yeah. Um, and then with Metroid Dread, it's like another studio that is working for Nintendo, but is still a studio of people who are independent of Nintendo, um, who are probably huge fans, uh, making the game. Uh, in conversation with the franchise, but also in conversation with all of the other Metroidvanias sure. that Nintendo inspired. Through, and their choices you know. as artists and designers of a studio that has yeah. been given this, you know, privilege of leading that franchise to its next iteration. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. there's a bit of like a fan fiction, like element yeah. where it's like their fans, they're, they're, they're making their version of Metroid, but then it feels like that. It doesn't necessarily, yeah, yeah it doesn't necessarily feel like, an old artist, like, you know, like coming back and making movies again, right? Like the same no, director. It felt like a, a young and reverent, <laughs> like awe-filled yeah. director. Like like Dennis Villeneuve. Like, yeah, adapting and, and <laughs> adapt, like adapting, integrating, and like interpreting work. Yes. Because like Metroid was its own genre fiction like its own like in franchise genre fiction and yes Denis Villeneuve like absolutely like the the work of that like self-referencing intertextuality happens both intentionally and not intentionally intentionally is like Star Wars the new franchise where it's like it's intertextual with itself like on its face mm -hmm. because it wants to play that game with its audience and yeah. be like look at what happens when we both progress the old into the new and introduce some new and introduce some old that does not progress. Mm -hmm. Like, what if we smashed all those what ifs together and made it a really easy product to mm -hmm. like swallow because nothing is permanent and nothing matters anyway? It's the same story <laughs> yeah. for a new generation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's the like new King James, right? Like, it's like the new, new yeah. interpretation of that. Yeah. It's like, and it can be done beautifully well. Seamus O'Haney's uh, Beowulf, you know? Seamus mm -hmm. uh, Haney's, yeah, Seamus Haney's, Seamus Haney's, I'll have to check the name, but Beowulf, um, the, yeah, Denis Villeneuve's like product of Dune was an interesting example of it too, because it was good. It was good. Mm -hmm. It was like a good, I liked, I really liked watching it. And I both felt it was intertextual to the book Dune, to the, film dune that was completed and released by david lynch and then like yodorowsky's dune ideas mm -hmm. i felt were in there maybe that was just me no, no but I, like I it was right. what was happening as i watched it and then rewatched it with my wife like yeah. i was like okay it's all around us and then there's just good executions of it and bad executions of it and then like in between executions of it and like 
even the new, like I was mentioning to you before we recorded, like the new War on Drugs record. Mm-hmm. It sounds like them just trying to like be themselves on the last two records they made and just like not doing a great, like just like doing, actually doing a perfect job of it. Doing a yeah. pitch perfect job of it. It's a actual, it's like the first War on Drugs album that is a product of itself. It's like, wait, man, like we made a War on Drugs record, man. Like says the lead singer of War on Drugs. Yeah. You know? That's what you wanted. It's like the thing <laughs> that you asked for. Yeah. Take it. And now you're like, it is. This is what I asked for. No, I think that's really so on point because like with Dune, just thinking about um, Villeneuve's Dune. Um, yeah, it's like like pixel perfect. Like yeah. every like composition was just like like, you know, he knows how to spend a budget. Exactly. Like he knows, <laughs> that's he knows a, that's how a guy. To, he really understands how to oh like sell scale. He spend that studio money. Yes. That's so amazing. Like, he's like, I'm not gonna. Yeah, we're gonna do it the right oh, way. Oh, dude. Yeah. Um, oh god. And that's like, it's like it's that feeling of it being like with Metroid. It's like a game that is extremely clean. Yes. And extremely smart. Yes. Um, and very enjoyable. And, yeah, and not like it was with few exceptions. Like it was just like there's no no cruff, no um, no places where you're like, oh, they could have spent some more time on this. Nope. You know, they could like which I mean, refer- referencing back to Guardians of the Galaxy, there's, there were plenty of places where I was like, well, okay, you took some AAA conventions, yeah, but they were done better when from the original thing you took it from. Like you know, he slid down the side of a mountain. This doesn't feel good. It didn't really feel good the first time I did it. In a Tomb Raider game or Uncharted, but well it said, definitely sir. doesn't feel good well here. Said. So it's like it's like a different beast entirely. Where it's like you have to really give props to a company for being able to like a developer for being able to like make these mechanics work. Oh yeah, because games are just sloppy, sloppy pieces of shit. Most oh of the my time. god, that's why I was like gushing <laughs> over just like the movement. Yes, like just the speed. It, it almost makes sense now. Uh, <laughs> talking about earlier the like crossover, like Samus and Smash Brothers in like <laughs> in what universe did we spill through? Yeah. Like it kind of like justifies her being in Smash Brothers because mm-hmm. like that fluidity of movement. But mm-hmm. any, anyway, yeah, that so yeah. many things can go wrong mm-hmm. in this experience of making games or making a film or writing a book or making music. Not wrong, but so many choices are made. Sorry, to, not wrong or right, but like subjective choices are made but it'll strike the listener in whatever and that like the war on drugs record is getting dope reviews there are people that are panning denny Villeneuve's dune mm-hmm. um i'm sure that i this game metroid dread has an incredibly polarizing discourse about it if we talk about the criticism of metroid dread for just a second like there's you were mentioning a hot take before we recorded which one was it the kotaku one? Oh yeah that uh um samus is a kind of emotionless character right kind of like a the typical badass lady character yeah. that doesn't get to have fun right oh so like uh yeah totally just super serious yeah um which i mean definitely gener- generate a lot of discourse uh, <laughs> uh but, uh, yeah, but i mean this yeah. is expecting more character out of the company that brought you mario and link like yes we're not dealing with like you know deep cut dialogue <laughs> we're not talking about the guardians of the galaxy game that yeah. like has a system for like speaking and words mm-hmm. spoken. 
Nintendo's traditionally made games that are meant to be learnable and enjoyable without language. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. it's a Which big... this, yeah, for the most part, I mean, what, I feel like it, when it talks, it's the worst. Part yeah, it doesn't really, it's the least consequential part of the game. Yeah, we're just like, let me explain your backstory. It's like, yeah. what? And I mean, like, it's, I guess that's the nice fan service to people who, like, care about the lore. The Chozo. <laughs> but, um, you know, for me, the most impactful moments were actually when she showed emotion, like, you know, when she kind of freaked out at the end yeah. um, and just became, like, berserker mode, essentially. Yeah. Um, classic, like, anime turn where he's, like, you're on the last ropes and you kind of... Yeah. find some inner some inner anger and energy to like take over they used samus's eyes quite a bit they used yeah. her like eyes to convey a lot of fear a lot of mm-hmm. anger um the kind of tight close up into like this the lens of the the yeah. suit which i thought was brilliant yeah. um brilliant camera work like the camera work so good yeah, for, for, a, for a video game for a video game cutscene. yeah like i would probably play it again just for for those cutscenes, even yeah. though i could just watch a youtube of it but, absolutely but like just like I feel like cutscenes often get like this, you know, uh, it's easy to dismiss them. Sure. Because it's not when the gameplay is happening, but there's, that's where the narrative texture is happening. And especially, you know, she'll like, she, it'll happen like mid boss fight where, you know, yes. you, you, you get this you transition. wild Dutch angled, like yeah. over her shoulder, like o- ac- basically across her torso like, yeah. to the point of her arm cannon, mm-hmm. like really Dutch angle, really, really intense, like great movements. Like, yeah. Very really fluid. Tight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that like that is there's just so many areas where you're like you're just in awe of like you know what what they've accomplished yeah. at the same time as being like you are wrestling with something that is so big like right. same as DV's Dune like where it's like this is something that has so many like branches and legs and like yeah. you know um, like octopus like tendrils um, in a million different directions like uh metroidvanias like i you know there's been a whole trend of metroidvanias that are in the souls direction where they're kind of extremely difficult oh, like sure. sultan sanctuary sure. is an example where it's like this is more like a souls game than a metroidvania but you're still kind of exploring this 2d map and and unlocking new areas um or blasphemous was another one i played recently that mm-hmm. was like this is like a a weird ass exploration of like the reformation <laughs> oh okay or, uh not the Reformation. Um, Enlightenment? No. Um, like the... Uh, not the Reformation. The Protestant-Catholic like split divide. Um, oh my gosh. In Europe. But in like in Europe. gothic video game violence. Yeah. It's Two-dimensional so cool. blood <laughs> monsters. Yeah. Like you're fighting like priest heads that are just like bleeding and have like stigmata. Like it's really interesting. Like yeah. the art style. Like so you're like... This thing supports so this like yeah this game you made thirty years ago supports like so much and then but yeah has like back yeah, to the it. seeds of it have sort of and Dune is the same lines. thing like Jodorowsky yeah. created modern sci-fi basically like and 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 Lynch and like you know um, Geiger and like all the team that like were involved with the product just created sci-fi as we know it. Um, there's so many like um, out growths and then for um somebody who is at the top of their game to then come back to it and make something where you're like just at an execution level yeah. this is just like off the charts and it needs to be commended for that but it also needs to be understood as 
another tendril and a not the final word. Yeah, totally. I think that's what is um, kind of like thinking about here with Metroid Dread. It's like, it's not the answer. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like the, like even though you're, you're saying they're pitching it as like the end of the Samus story. And maybe right. it is in some ways. And sure, that could be, that could be the end of the Metroid story. And maybe it's good that it has like an end, but it's also can't end because it was so damn well, it's market driven yeah and it's so end. damn like but, um inspirational I, mean, I love that you were like weaving through the the relationship between metroid as the sort of seeds or the root the trunk or whatever of all these branches of different metroidvania games mm-hmm. um and also these films these like iconic filmmakers because really there's this like you know maybe accidental factoid i can toss in there um you know the original metroid was based on uh alien yeah you know and one of the primary bosses of the series has always been this massive, like skeletal winged dinosaur uh, named Ridley. So Ridley mm-hmm. Scott, obviously for alien and Ridley, this like beast. And then just like the female protagonist, which like, I don't think was as directly connected to uh, Sigourney Weaver's character uh, of Ellen Ripley. Wow. Ripley Ridley. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Not um, confusing. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> I'm navigating this all on the fly. Um, but basically, it's interesting to think that like Alien, which had such a influence on Metroid, um, just kind of syncs up with this like space, this like genre of like the science fiction and the Metroid. It just it's cool. It's cool how it like yeah it wraps back on itself. Um, I think the other influences were like they said that the there was like a the a certain map of the. Uh, Tokyo Metro system mm. that was the Met the Met in Metroid was Metro mm. <laughs> uh, and the other was Android so it was like Metro Android mm-hmm. was Metroid because mm. the map of the original NES Metro reminded them of the like re- reminded the designers of the uh, yeah. Tokyo subway map that's really cool yeah. yeah and so there's again like this weird like referencing work that's happening all around and like what influences are pulled in? Ain't, ain't that art, right? Whatever. Mm-hmm. Ezra Pound, nothing new under the sun or whatever. <laughs> There's nothing new under the sun. But like, I think it's interesting to, to think that this is, or maybe Metroid is as both a franchise and as a, like a kind of a grandfather to the style of the, in the old dirty bastard connotation of like the Metroidvania space. Uh, it's this great work of uh, self interpretation and so like metro dread is like boiling down the feeling of real dread that i had playing the super nintendo version Mm. super metroid but it's like personified that dread in those like android spaces those like emmy machines that like chase you down and like kill insta kill you like that was almost like a a character font that they applied to the concept of what i felt like playing the playing super metroid as a kid and was like damn it's like jacked up and it's given like a mask and it gets to walk around the map and inhabit space but it's really just a riff on what the metroid genre is in the like pantheon of like the nintendo franchises you know yeah metroid's the scary one and luigi's mansion is like the like funny scary one it's like poking fun at being scared metroid's the scary game that nintendo makes yeah you know yeah I mean, it's and it, it, that goes back to the developers themselves having played it, yeah. probably who are all our age or younger. Oh, and, absolutely. And they're just like, you know, how do I recapture that fear? Exactly. That, that I felt. Fear. Oh, let me give it a let me give it like a Terminator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Well, yeah, man. Well, so 
Metroid Dread, the game of the hour. I think we liked it. It was yeah, it was really fun. It was yeah. really fun yeah. and a breeze. Probably one of the most straightforward Metroid games I've ever played. Yeah, I, I, when I was playing it, I felt I, was, I kind of felt like I need I need this at this moment. Like you know, I'm stressed out with work or moving or life, or whatever. Yep. And this is like does what a good Nintendo game yes do. must do <laughs> must do, which is could be a nice like. Uh, not too challenging distraction. Yeah. Um, that's also just like a really fine-tuned, um, well-crafted piece of art. For sure. That's a good That's a good note to end it on. Yeah. Thanks so much, Yusef. Thanks, Tubby. That was fun. I'll see you in on the bit. next. Yeah, on the next <laughs> episode. <laughs> Going to be a little, a little different. Oh, yes. Oh, stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs>